strapped in the trenches making moves going all out every day handle business you know that the hustle don't stop got my team let's get it reviewing books and talk stocks steady keep it moving so you gonna want to tune in get low down it's an app get local food on demand delivery right to your home everything in the palm of your hand took hard work and dedication come through join the conversation this is history up in the making we just want to be an inspiration hey let's go Welcome to another episode of Bootstrapped in the Trenches. Today's episode is called Brunch Boys and why working smart is more important than working hard. The Brunch Boys part, thank you, Corey, for getting our first guest on. Uh, Jeremy Jacobowitz is a major food influencer and lives in New York City. We are going to be very excited talking to him in about 45, 55 minutes here. But before that, we actually are going to be reviewing one of my favorite books of all time, uh, Tim Ferriss's Four Hour Work Week, and talking about how that really revolves around our business day to day as well. But before then, as always, we have to go into last night's food comas, what we're going into tonight for dinner, and uh, food news and food for thought. Let's start with you, Dan. Okay. Well, last night I had Jersey Mike's which is always a solid go-to of mine. And then tonight, I was actually telling Corey, I, I just ordered dinner, I already ate, and I ordered Indian food. And dude, I swear to God, my apartment like reeks of urine right now. What? <laughs> yeah, it's weird. Like I love Indian food, and I get it all the time, but for whatever reason, right now, it smells like straight piss. <laughs> I already ate it. So is it that good. from your the, body odor from after eating, or is this something involving young men? Maybe? Sounds like a sounds like young men. Yeah, <laughs> I it, it, no, I was literally feeling around my apartment to see if young man like possibly pissed. I actually, like fell. I did a little dick touch because if Miles pisses, he's got a lot of dick hair. So or hair he just looks yellow. So, I mean, you could just see by turning him over. It's like, oh, what happened here, pal? Bottom line is Miles did not piss in the apartment. That's a great test to see if the dog pissed. I, I it's just good if I ever get a dog. Um, I love that. Just you know, touching his dick. This is why I make a great uncle the... for dogs and kids. This is a prime example of why I don't have a dog. Because it's like you know, dogs are great. You'll when see. You get them in their, your bed. They've been pissing all over the place. Where is your head laying at night? Dude, if you ever get a dog, you'll realize you, you just get all up in anything and nothing grosses you out. Well, no, no, no. I, that's been one of my hesitations to getting a dog. That's the one of the holdups. But Fair I know enough. what you mean. It's like an all or nothing thing at that point. Corey, what's your uh, food attack from last night? So, um, so actually, so my food attack started on Saturday. I went, uh, it was my grandma's 84th birthday. So my mom had like this whole thing and just ordered like every type of Italian food, like every type of Italian dish under the sun. I mean, there is literally like 10 of us and there's food for 40. So, Jewish you know, I wanted to food. Yeah, exactly. Went to food coma on Saturday. Um, I must've ate something bad Saturday night, not the Italian food. But I ended up getting some like bad food poisoning. So Sunday was just a shitty day and I ended up getting like a terrible cold. So I just ate, I ordered Chinese food, but I just had soup. Um, it was one of those, it sucked. If you obviously 
foodies know that Sunday is like the day to eat and splurge. And not eating on Sunday really upset me. So I just had to have classic hot and sour soup, some wonton soup, did a little mix. Um, but today I went with uh, some, this. it's like a healthy style Mexican food. It's one of my go-tos, but just got like some whole wheat quesadillas with some grilled chicken and uh, a burrito too. I'm pretty pumped. It's on the way. Sounds incredible. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've been fighting this cold, doing a lot of the chicken noodle soup good for the soul. And it really it's, it really helps with nutrients, like replenishing you when you're dehydrated, which is part of the thing that sucks about having a cold. You don't really taste much. Mm-hmm. Your taste buds are just on vacation. And I, uh, yep. yeah, I did New York Deli News the last three days in a row here. I just ordered that earlier. Uh, matzo ball large soup just to guzzle down that broth. So I can have a voice for tonight. Yeah. I also got some matzo brai, which Jeremy kind of influenced without even realizing it. I felt like I had to order some kind of breakfast brunch food. And I felt like, I feel like matzo I like brai, that. I know Jeremy's Jewish and you know, that's a fitting uh, brunch food that a Jew would be proud of when you think about it. Yeah. That's one of my favorite like delicacies. I don't eat that. I maybe like, you know, once a year, if that, but I love matzo brai. You know, Always you have. Know, Corey, I love matzo. I, I really, I have no problem. I actually like it's it phenomenal. Too. I'll eat it with butter, jelly, yeah. peanut butter. I eat matzo regularly throughout the year and I'm not even religious. Like I won't have, I'm not the guy that takes a week off bread, but I do respect matzo consistently. I probably eat it way more than most really religious people actually in the Jewish world. Yeah. what am I- That's actually... That's actually one of the fond memories I have of our Denver apartment was there constantly being boxes of matzah. Just you know, like it's underrated. And crumbs of matzah on the it counter. It makes a phenomenal snack when you really think about it. It does. It tastes like nothing. Yeah, so it's kind of whatever you put on it. Exactly. It's, just like it's what a you're great eating, foundation. Is why I it's like harmless. It. You know? and, it's grab and go. It's grab and go. You just take it. It's quick. And I love that crunch meal. and the fact that you could just spill shit all over the floor, possibly. Like it could, it might just fall apart. <laughs> I love matzo balls. I don't like matzo balls. Yeah. They're too heavy. Like I left the matzo balls to just drift. I didn't even touch those in the soup. I've never been a fan. If I'm going to eat bread, it's I don't want it to be in it. Like I've never been a crouton guy either with salads. I don't like wasting carbs on that on a super salad. At that point, I'm, what am I doing eating this? Yeah, I, get I don't know, but that's that's a great word to use. Drift. I'm just imagining these matzo balls. Yeah, they're just drifting, drifting in my sink. And my, <laughs> kind of like floating. <laughs> I also tried uh, today. I tried a uh, brodo, which is like uh, bone broth, and uh, that was awesome. I've had it before, but that definitely helped just replenish my soul. To be honest, that's important. Corey. Have you, you you've had you've had bone broth, I, right? Mike? I eat it at least twice a week. Yeah. It's phenomenal. I, I'm shocked that hasn't become more of a everyday thing, honestly, with people. I know. Yeah, they just opened up a big store by my apartment where I live, so I feel like it's getting I'm going to be a daily broth consumer here, Corey, when I'm in the city in a few weeks. There's no daily doubt. broth. That should, that should be a good handle, Instagram handle for you. <laughs> daily broth daily consumer. Broth. <laughs> <laughs> just walk around different broth places throughout the city. <laughs> Here's Mike. Daily broth. Side. I like yeah. it. <laughs> uh, 
So yeah, and yeah, that for me, I don't even know if I'll do a mic roll and special night. You know, you don't really have that same appetite with colds. I even did a workout earlier, two workouts to try to sweat this out. I hate being sick. And I pride myself in like, I remember one of my friends, Megan Kearney, if you're listening, shout out to your mom, elementary school. I'm, I have the sniffles, snuffles, whatever you call them, I'm getting a cold. Megan's mom were getting pizza. She was helping serve the kids. We had like pizza day, Burger King day. And Mrs. Kearney was like, Mike, it's in your head, mind over matter. And ever since then, I like yeah, <laughs> I really, great woman. Ever since then, I've uh, been a huge fan of that mentality and it's helped. So, Mrs. Carney, you were on the women. Second. Women are way more powerful and tough when it comes to being sick than men. Yeah, why do you think that is? I don't know, <laughs> but I know for a fact it's true. No. Where did this come from? I've never heard this. Dude, definitely. Women shoo shoo sicknesses and deal women with are way more likely to go to the doctor men- over something that's minuscule when a guy is just like eh. I, I think guys are more likely to like make a big deal out of being sick and a lot of the times women I don't, don't I think it's the it. exact opposite honestly Dan I, I really I find that no very way. hard to believe Corey I mean Corey's getting put woman. on the spot here if he's present no he knows She's not he present. knows he'll be honest yeah, no, I I kind of agree with both of you. I definitely do think that you can't agree with both well, of us. We're no. saying complete opposite things. Oh well, no, in the sense that like men, if they're sick, they're just like not going to go to a doctor. Like a female is way more likely to go to a doctor and like take care of herself and get right better. Now. Yeah. Complaining wise, though, maybe you're right, Dan. I have no idea. I mean, I've. Uh, oh. you know, I let the world know when I have a cold because I don't. I don't like being around people within shouting distance. So earlier, my leasing office manager who's pregnant was trying to give me tips on what to do to get rid of this call. I'm like, listen, I don't want to get you sick. You're pregnant. And it, when I'm in the reverse role, I'm like, oh, like when Dan was sick in our Airbnb last week in Phoenix. He had, of course I you did. you sick. Are you kidding me? I rarely get sick. Whenever yeah. these things happen though, I always, it's a lot of it's on me because I'm neurotic and I'll immediately fast forward to being like, oh, Dan sneezed. Uh, four days from now, I'm sick. So I'm good at visionary things with positive things, but that's something I got to work on because whenever I'm around that, like on an airplane, someone's sneezing, I'm immediately like, you know. Dude, it's the funniest thing. I will, and I get it, but if I sneeze or cough and we're in the car, not only will Mike go into full-on face-in-the-shirt mode, but he'll roll down all the windows for the next like yeah, 30 minutes. why not? <laughs> As if like... I don't know. It makes sense. I get it. That way the germs aren't just lingering. I mean, why do you think you see all these Asian people in China with these masks on? Because they're not breathing through their mouths. They're less likely to get sick. Dude, I wasn't even sick when I got You had allergies. um, When I left... No, no, no. When I left for Arizona, this damn couple coughed on me in the airport. And I had the same thought that you just had... Where I just knew, I was like, I'm getting sick. From it's that the worst. People like wait to get and sick was, until they're on a vessel where people are entrapped. It was definitely 100%. But it was definitely like a Mrs. Kearney situation, even though I didn't really know that woman. Mind over matter. <laughs> never it sick. was matter over She's mind. Never sick. Dude, 
as soon as they coughed on me, I was like, there's no doubt I'm getting sick. I even was like, you know what? This is probably the coronavirus. <laughs> now I I'm getting better. you for a hot second. You might have had corona. And that- <laughs> well, you really didn't. When we looked up the symptoms, they did not. Well, I know. But when I first brought it up, it must have been like, oh, man. Like, you know, when you're sick yeah. and someone's like coronavirus. Like right now, you know, there's probably like a one and a half percent chance I have that. Who knows? There's no doubt anybody who gets sick right now, you're just naturally going to kind of panic because it's like shit. There's already been, you know, there's been a lot of deaths, sicknesses. It's not even a joke. I know we're fucking around right now, but as far as the coronavirus goes, you know, like it's a... it's the real thing. Yeah. Sort of. Well, Mike, yeah. You made yeah, it's way less deadly than SARS. It's just more contagious. And, you know, there's a lot of people that are coughing in airports. And, and there's a chance that the people actually dying are just like old people dying of old age. And China's just like, yeah. Well, when you look at a lot case. of the footage of people on the streets covering up, it looks like someone in a senior citizen home. So I ask myself, I'm not saying this has been the case every time. I don't want to, you know by any means make light of anyone that died that was young with this. But from the footage I've personally seen from Asia, it doesn't look like this is a young person illness at all. So yeah, yeah, it seems like, yeah, anyone who's older, their body can't handle it. They're more likely to die. I mean, it seems like a type of pneumonia, but I also think it was created by the Chinese government or maybe even the U.S. government. It just well, seems like a population control thing. Dan had an interesting I don't know. With the, something he read about the trade deal with the, you know. I, I, yeah, I was thinking that, that as well. I read that there was one clause in the trade deal that allows China to get out of it, and that's if something basically like this happens. So if you think about it, then, then if China's already manipulating currency over the years, what's to stop them from manipulating a virus? Yeah. Just, well, let me ask you. Yeah, go, go ahead, Corey. No, no I was just going to say, like, people are always like, oh, like, and I kind of agree with it too, where people are like, oh, China, like, made this up. What do you, like, what happens? So they make up a disease and then they, like, put it in a little thing and, like, inject it into something, hoping that that it When you say make up, like, you mean the, actually, like, create the virus, not as in made up, like, think. No, yeah. They, no, yeah. Like, they create the virus in, like, a little science jar thingy. And then they like take some animals and inject them and then let the thing run wild. I'm just wondering like how it actually works or do they wait for patients who are already in the hospital and give them the virus and then let them leave with it. So it spreads. Like, I mean, how do you actually, in China, when you look at all of this stuff, a lot of the people eat out there like delicacies that are different animals. My guess would be from what we've read, how this spread is you'd inject a bat that's going into be made into bat soup with something like some kind of virus. Next thing you know, it spreads like an epidemic. Yeah. yeah I mean, I could right. be way off you on that, see, but that seems know. logical if I'm them. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's what they said. It was came from derived from a bat. I don't so. want us getting in, pre- in any trouble with President Xi, but luckily we're not in China right now or we'd be shut down already from airing this. <laughs> Our podcast would literally be. We would have already all been assassinated if this was in Russia, too. <laughs> uh, Dude, yeah. when I was. All right, no. But you guys see the guy who apparently called, like, the warning yeah, on this dead. whole coronavirus thing. and let, Yeah, that is the sketchiest shit ever. Isn't it? It's yep. the deli item mentality out there. That's what I was telling you guys. 
my thought process on China is they're in, this is the beginning of the end of that whole world power talk with them. That should have been a prediction I made going on to the new decade. I think China's in trouble. There's been a lot of hashtag stuff trending with people like wanting their free speech. Like it's They're going to break up like the former people Soviet are speaking Union up. is my guess. You're going to see that happening within this decade. Believe me. That would be interesting. Yep. <laughs> Believe me. Did you guys see, Mike, you saw it. You sent it to me. Corey, did you see the guy on Instagram that does the Obama and Trump scenes where he like does on perfect TikTok. voice imitations? It's amazing. Or TikTok. I, yeah. I haven't seen that. Oh. I need to. Oh, my God. It's so funny. Like the I'm first one was – him in a car pretending like Donald Trump like had to take a shit and he's just talking <laughs> back and forth. It's the funniest thing ever. I'll send it to you. Oh man, that's so funny. I'm excited to check that out. Yeah, it's great. So Dan, any food news to discuss here? <laughs> a little bit, yeah. So there's sort of a new competitor in the space we won't go too much into detail because we don't get free exposure out here but there's this company in new york that recently launched and they're doing food delivery for like higher end frozen meals Corey, have you heard of this company i have you have but ju- just be- just recently yeah because i was also searching food news yeah, I'm not even gonna say who it is because yeah. like whatever. But that's that's in the food news. Doesn't the one of the guys who's at the realm is a former Blue Apron slash like Chipotle guy. Seems to hop around. But uh, yeah, so that's what's going on there. And then Mike, you sent this to me. This is great. But a man flew from New York to LA and back just to get in and out burger. And there's this thing known as like the $100 burger, I guess. And that's when people fly their planes or like fly specifically to a place to get food. And this guy technically did that with In-N-Out Burger where he spent slightly over $100 on Alaskan Airlines. And he went all in the same day and picked up In-N-Out Burger. So shout out to that guy. That shows okay. some serious commitment. That's also... See, shout out to that guy. But I, if I'm going to do that, like I was telling you earlier, Dan, like pick something like sushi in Tokyo. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, I was just going to say, I mean, if we were going to go to get sushi in Tokyo, why not like stay there for a couple of days? What's this guy doing? Does he just love planes? Well, I think the whole point is where would you go in one day for a food item? Like that's what you have to ask yourself, the whole there and back. And at that point, what's realistic? Can you even get to Tokyo? If you're, if we're in California, we you could pull, pull it off. You'd have to have the meal at the airport because it's uh or no, you wouldn't. Which we yeah, could but, do. We could do that. Which in Tokyo. I mean, the sushi at the airport was amazing. You remember that? It's better than any re- regular restaurant. It really here. is. It's a good would, question. So yeah, that's a good would be question. Cool. Corey, would you be? I, I would that? love that. I, it's a good question to ask uh, Jeremy from Punch Boys because he has traveled all over the world for food, and I feel like that's a good question to ask him. Like, where would he travel? For one meal. Well, he did do a Japan tour, he did. I was saying. So he I'm did. pumped to should dive his, into that. Uh, his, favorite awesome. thing in, his favorite thing in Japan is the egg salad sandwiches. So I'm, I'm pumped. Yeah, you know what? And I, I, I had them. I know what he means. We'll have a little chat yeah. about that because I did grab a lot. Dan, remember when we go to those like side I mean, markets? I don't remember an egg salad sandwich. That sounds it's, fucking gross. I, I, I went to town on a couple of those. They are actually 
very deceiving. Yeah, it's supposed something. Okay. It's like the bread is supposed to be unbelievable, but his favorite is like it, there's this whole thing in in Japan where Seven Eleven makes like the best egg salad sandwiches. Yeah, they do. the katsu chicken katsu there too. is phenomenal. Yeah. Literally, like just out there when we like rented Airbnbs and stayed in random places, I'd just load up at Seven yeah. Eleven. Pretty neat. So that's cool. Yeah, that'll be fun to dive. It's just amazing because our work week. Yeah, week. let's get on with that. But I couldn't even imagine. Well, first let's go over Corey's oh, food. Shit, news. I food forgot. I'm sorry, Corey. No, you're good. But I was just gonna say I couldn't even. What I couldn't even Corey? imagine eating anything in Seven Eleven in America. It's just disgusting. Besides, like hummus and pretzels yeah, or yeah. something, you know, something wrapped up is alright. Uh, but yeah, imagine homemade food. It's maybe that's something we should bring in there. With Lodell. So um, because we're having Jeremy as a guest, I figured I'd cover the top 10 most Instagram foods of all time. So we got, I'm going to go from 10 to 1. 10 is avocados, 9 burgers, 8 strawberries, 7 is salads, 6 is chicken, which is mainly like hot chicken sandwiches or uh, natural hot chicken. Six is or five is sushi, four is ice cream, three is pizza, and then shockingly, the two and one spot are drinks or beverages. They're wine, and number one is coffee. That's wild. I did not. No, see I mean neither. I, I do see a lot of people um, tagging me in like latte pictures with like cool kinds of lattes and things like that. I was gonna but, say number one's not shocking to me. Yeah, one's not shocking. Wine as number two was, was a little shocking to me because, like, That's it's not shocking. that photogenic. <laughs> I agree. And, yeah, that's uh, – yeah, I mean, I, I'm kind of surprised the first two are not actual foods. That's where I'm like, you know – I mean, I get lattes are cool. You could dance around with the images on those with the foam and everything, but yeah. that's wild. I, I wonder what – Yeah, I figured well, pizza I mean, would be number one. But, yeah. yeah, yeah, Corey. That's also that's also your list. I'm gonna sit here and ask you why you put two beverages on a food list. I'm a little confused. <laughs> this is not my list. This is uh, <laughs> it's not report- your list. No, no. This is reported from Spoon University. They did a study over the last ten years. Do they just combine beverages so, and food? I don't understand that. Like they're two separate things. That's a, that, that's bullshit of them. Spoon, you should be changing that up. My question to you, Corey, who is number twelve and eleven? I'm in tweeting food? at Spoon you right now. Yeah, tweet at them. See what they say. Uh, if I had to guess, I don't know. Like who who are we missing on this list? Like if you put pizza and ice cream, it would make sense as one two in the food category. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, I would guess I would consider frozen yogurt as ice cream. So, I mean, I don't know. I, I've seen a lot of rolled ice cream. Yeah, I definitely think ice cream is. No, I'm not a fan of that stuff. Is I've it Spoon it. University? Yeah. Corey, it's kind of eh. It's kind of eh. I, we had, Dan and I had that in Vietnam. It just didn't do it for me. Remember, Dan, the rolled ice cream? I did. I mean, it's a little weird. To be to be yeah, honest, I was weird. most shocked that strawberries made the list. Like, what? <laughs> Just strawberries? I guess because you could do a lot with those. You know, when you think about what you could dip them in and put them on. Yeah. And there's a lot of strawberries. They go if I was to add one more, I would say cake. I mean, I definitely see a bunch of cool cakes on Instagram. Shocked 
cake didn't make the list. Yeah, at least put cake and pie in like one category. Or, so it's and just, wings. You know, wings should have been. I guess that could be classified as chicken. Yeah, that should be definitely. Guys, on we need a Twitter. Nachos. Yeah, we need to get a Twitter. Yeah, we do. Jeff, you <laughs> Jeff Ball, get on our Twitter. <laughs> Bootstrapped in the trenches. Mr. Producer, you got to get on that. Uh, let's see here. So I guess where are we diving in the four-hour work week here, guys? Let's do it. Yeah. So, yeah, the thing with four-hour work week, I wanted to start off. This definitely – I read this book back, like, right after B-Town Menu started. I think we were in, like, year two or three, and it was – like, I'd say by far, Tim Ferriss is a guy that you have to look at as a human guinea pig, really. He does – he's done a phenomenal job of really thinking to himself – what is the best way to optimize my happiness on earth? And the stuff he's put himself through over the years, folks, is insane. Like being in competitions in saunas where he had to, in the middle of Finland, where, you know, learning jujitsu championship skills and, you know, actually competing at top levels. This guy really shows when you take any type of craft seriously and dedicate the time, you can make things happen. But what he really prioritizes, and I'll summarize this book in a minute, but the 80-20 rule, the Pareto rule is what it's called. And it's basically highlighting that 80% of results in life come are yielded from 20% of where the efforts are focused. And Tim Ferriss, the four-hour work week, here's the thing. He, the guy works more than four hours a week. I wanted to highlight that to start. But here's what he makes you realize. What he enjoys doing is what he's spending most of his time doing isn't work. So when you're able to spend a lot of your time delegating the correct things in your income regarding the business, it allows you to focus on your passions, even if they are work. So I think we've seen a theme in all of our books, even with Damon John, with Richard Branson. These guys all look at work as play. And I think Tim Ferriss really is the proponent of that. So let's start off. This guy was a beast in college. He, he went to Princeton University um, and a very smart guy. He realized like right after college, he worked at this bullshit sales job at a tech firm and he left it pretty quickly because he had this self-awareness pretty early on where he realized he couldn't work for anybody. And so he was at a, a normal 40-hour desk job type of vibe right out of college, hated that. Ended up starting his own business, which made him good money, but he was working about double the amount of time as he had been working for somebody else. And this is when he had a revelation. What I, what I thought was cool about this, most people will fail early on with their first business. Tim Ferriss wasn't failing when you look at a monetary view on it. He was failing in the fact that he was miserable and he had the self-awareness early on to change his ways and his revelation was, wait a minute, I have to get rid of things that I don't need to be doing. So what he decided to do was streamline his business, eliminate distractions. He automated systems, which allowed him to be more profitable and take up less, way less of his time. And he took what he called a mini retirement and wrote this book on uh, a lifestyle design, which allowed him to create a life that balances work and play, optimizing his efficiency. So the four-hour work week really breaks down Tim Ferriss's actions 
to implement these things. So it really embodies the 80-20 principle across the board and 80% productivity coming from 20% of your time, which I think, guys, we can attest to in our business has been our bread and butter over the years, whether it comes to clients that bring us business, marketing initiatives that lead to us getting conversions. That's really life when you think about everything. Uh, So it, it really, the whole book was divided into four different parts. It was defining your objectives, which is setting goals and asking yourself, what's really important? What do I want? The second part was eliminating distractions to free up your time. And that's really where I learned the whole speed versus velocity mentality with Tim Ferriss, where it's like a lot of people just want to be busy to be busy. But a lot of times they're taking two steps back and one forward, where it's really important to sometimes use the space and think and be like, wait a minute, where am I going to optimize my efficiency here? So the third part of that was the theme was automating your cash flow to increase income, outsourcing your life, hiring virtual assistants for mindless tasks that you could pay a low hourly rate to, which we'll get to uh, going over how we're evolving our business in a bit here. But that was a big part of Tim Ferriss's success is figuring out, okay, what are things that are taking up a lot of my time that I could outsource where my time becomes way more valuable to focus on the one or two big things. And the fourth part of this was liberate. Liberation basically meaning from the traditional, the conventional, the nine to five mentality, allowing fluidity. Tim Ferriss really revolves around, listen, you should be able to be based wherever you are. We're in an era, this book was written over a decade ago, but even more so now, we're in an era, especially in our business, things are done from the phone, from the laptops, Uh, even things with in-person engagement, you could constantly be fluid. And I thought it was really cool how he highlighted all those things and ironically define, eliminate, automate, liberate, spells out deal. And Tim Ferriss, if you really look at his no fear approach over the years, how he got a speaking engagement at South by Southwest early on with his book, the guy has gone above and beyond to do things out. I don't think he has a comfort zone. And I would love to talk to the guy and get him on one of these days. I think we'd all be fascinating hearing him speak, but it was a pleasure rereading this book because I hadn't read it in over a decade. So I'll uh, put it over to you guys to dive into your thoughts. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, I'll start off. I thought the whole notion of this term, he kept using new rich that he refers to. It's awesome because it has nothing to do with money. And new rich is all about creating the time to do what you truly love, which for him is really experiencing everything the world has to offer. And I mean everything. And that guy clearly has an obsession with learning languages, but uh, that's a whole other story. But it seems like that guy's learned, what, like eight different languages on his mini vacations. And this is one of those books where you, you look up and have those aha moments very frequently and it's constantly making you question if you're really valuing the right things in life and it's one of those things where if you love to work then working's great but if you don't love to work he kind of makes you realize that you could hire an assistant in india for four dollars an hour and let them work for you and take care of all different sorts of tasks and i thought 
another thing that was really cool about it was he wasn't just speaking to business owners. He's constantly giving advice to employees about how to figure out how to work remote. And he'll actually stage out conversations that are really, really cool. And he'll basically show somebody, hey, this is what you should do and say if you want to try and work remote for your company and just see what happens. So I thought it was really cool the way he delegated his tasks, every task, even when he goes over the fight he has with a significant other and he has his virtual assistant write back the emails. I just thought the whole thing was genius. And then he tells all these stories. Yeah, it was great. And um, he tells all these stories to reinforce his message along the way. And I'm going to tell one of them because it just really stuck out to me. And I woke up kind of thinking about it. And I'm pretty sure it took place in Mexico. And it was basically this fisherman. And the story goes like this. Every morning, the fisherman goes out and he goes fishing. And he would bring back fish. And he would have enough fish for his family. And he'd have some extra fish to give to his friends. And... Then he would spend the rest of the day just playing with his kids, hanging out with his family. And at night, he'd go and play music in town with his friends. And it was an awesome, simple life. And one time he meets this clearly made out to be an American, really successful guy who lives the typical nine to five grind. And the guy witnesses him coming home early from a fishing trip. And he asked the guy why he didn't stay out longer and fish longer. And the guy questions him, and then the the worker, the nine to fiver, goes on to say, "Yeah, you should stay out and fish longer. That way, you could sell more fish, and then you could eventually hire more fishermen and build a whole squad, and eventually get big enough where you go public." And he basically said, "Like this is only going to take twenty years." And the fisherman's constantly asking him, "Why, why, why?" And at the end, when he's like, "Why am I going to do all that?" The man replies and says, so then you could spend time playing with your kids and playing music with your friends. And that kind of sums up this whole book. Yeah, I mean, I would say I I, I truly enjoyed it. It was a good change of pace just from the other books we've been reading. This definitely read more like a blog than a book. And, you know, not, not just self-help, but it, it really was just about trimming the fat in your life in every way possible, not just work, but just in life in general. And some of my favorite parts or key concepts I took away was um, he said, ask yourself, if this is the only thing I accomplish today, will I be satisfied with my day? And it's just something to ask yourself every single day, um, depending on what you're doing and the tasks you're doing. Um, I liked how he explained how to double your reading speed in 10 minutes. I definitely tried it out as we're starting to read a book a week. I think that will definitely help me. Um, Why it's more productive to carry around a written to-do list than keep one on your computer. I thought that was very interesting. And then one of my favorite things was the learn the art of non-finishing. So I think in the book he talks about um, when he was seeing a movie, I think it was Pirates of the Caribbean, He's like, or whatever movie it was, you know, you, you pay $10. Typically a person feels like they have to finish it. But if you don't like the movie, you don't have to finish it. And that can apply to anything from movies to a meal. You pay, you know, a certain amount of money for a meal. And yeah, you feel like other people in the world may not be eating. But if you don't like the meal and, you know, you shouldn't finish it if that's 
you don't like it. So the art of non-finishing, I thought that was very interesting. Um, how to be more efficient with email. I mean, he just, yeah, if it, from personal assistance to just not answering emails every day, he definitely stressed to not wake up and answer emails. I thought that was interesting because that's absolutely something I do. Probably the first thing in the morning, I check my emails before I go to the gym. So I'm maybe going to switch that around, just go to the gym right away and, uh, you know, help procrastinating from going to the gym. Just go to the gym and then come back, check my emails and change it up a little bit. Um, just everything he, he mentions about reducing clutter in your life. Um, another thing is he said, if you can't define it or act upon it, then just forget it. thought that was very interesting. Um, and then he said, life exists to be enjoyed. The most important thing is to feel good about yourself. And then the last one is just the value of a virtual assistant. Um, you know, I think that's interesting. It, it's super cheap to do. It just makes your life more organized and um, just, you know, just declutters your life and makes you more productive. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's all the great points, Mario. I think what's cool about this too, guys, is this book is very fitting with where we're at in our business and lives. When you think about on a personal level for me, when I first read his book and, you know, Corey, you can remember that my Indiana setup back in the day and your brother will laugh at this from when he knew me in the freshman dorm. But I remember thinking to myself, like I have a lot of these natural tendencies in terms of just cutting the fat when it comes to objects where I always loved Tim Ferriss was I felt like I could relate to him with that minimalistic approach where it's like, hey, this is all internal to happiness bring your stuff with you, have a couple things that you care about, like a pillow, a Kindle, where I thought that was really cool reading that early on in college when, you know, the era we've been in has been so materialistic driven, where I really respected seeing that coming from that guy at a young age, that really helped me a lot, put things in perspective. And now when I'm getting ready to uh, get out of Colorado and I think about the stuff that I have to even take, not even stressing about it. I have barely anything. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about two boxes. So that those types of things make transitions way easier where a lot of people, I think, get held up based on possessions and things that don't actually mean anything. And it ends up backtracking a lot of things in their lives for no reason. So that's cool. And then with the business, which Dan, I think you can really highlight a lot for us what you've been finding with uh, Fiverr with the whole freelancing and where we're heading with our business, being able to utilize certain people for certain things to allow us to focus on other things, to see the bigger picture. I, I felt like, you know, you know how you guys, I, you guys know, I always think we're in a simulation. The fact that we went over the four hour work week with this transition with content media and what we're doing, I thought was pretty fascinating. Yeah, I mean, before I even get into that, another thing that I feel like just needs to be talked about that kind of goes hand in hand with what you were just saying, Obviously, Tim Ferriss is all about the remote life and talks about these mini vacations, which is basically his realization of seeing people work their whole lives to have the end of their lives to do what they enjoy. He's all about why not take mini retirements, sorry, not vacations, mini retirements, where he'll go six months to a year without working. And to take it one step further, this is this was an eye-opening thing for me. So he's all about the remote life. And what this guy basically says is, and it's so true, you could spend two minutes of researching this and you'll realize it for yourself. But if you could figure out how to sustain whatever income you're making 
and live a remote life, what he would do is he'd find some of the coolest places in the world and go station there for minimum three months, sometimes six months, sometimes a year. And when you're in some of these places, not only rent, but day-to-day living costs are literally like 10% of what we pay here. You can go live in the best place ever in a place like Thailand for $400 a month. And you're spending $8 a day on food instead of $80 a day. And when you think about what that gets you over the course of six months, his whole thing was, he was like, the more you live the life I'm talking about, the more money you're going to actually make. Because when you remove yourself from the main places we all live in, which are these expensive cities, not only do you experience the world, but most of experiencing the world is saving money because these places are just not expensive. And I thought that was just something that was awesome and goes hand in hand with the possession because you're dead on. I think a lot of the reason people don't do that is they're attached to something, whether it's a lease, whether it's a lot of items where the notion of like going somewhere for three to six months, it's tough. How do you even do it? Yeah, very true. Yeah. The other thing I'll just to respond to what you were saying, Corey, there's no doubt that after reading and Mike, I'm sure you're great at this, but his tips on how to read faster, I tried doing it. And so he has a great tip. His tip is basically to read like every third, third, three or fourth word. And if you do that, you kind of start to pick out like the key words and skip over the bullshit. What I couldn't help myself from doing, and obviously over time I'll learn if I keep trying, is I'd skip around lines. Like when my eyes were trying to scan the page to go fast, I'm not going every four words. I'm going from line one to like line three and then back. And I'm just like, wow, I have no idea what I'm doing right now. And if I could stop myself from doing that, I could read away faster. But like I could not stop myself from doing that. Yeah, I, I kind of felt the same way. I just wasn't retaining the information as well as I do when I just read normally. But yeah, I feel like I can get better at it. Yeah, that's like anything. If you do, if you start doing that frequently, it becomes like common. But I've never, when I read, I kind of just see things where I'll like see a paragraph and, and read it. And then on it's like a snapshot type of thing where I just get in the mode and kind of, I don't know. That's always been how I've read. I like read a paragraph. Which at is once. incredible because so. then you could just power read. I find myself reading like word by word, and it's great because I'm like going through a whole story. But I read the four hour work week yesterday, the whole book. Yeah, it's it quick probably, read. It was a quick read. Well, yeah, there's a lot of different, like everyone obviously has different styles of how they interpret things too. So there's a ton of tips. That, you know, whatever. Yeah, works and also, it made me think. Just, I mean, you were bringing up my thoughts on Fiverr and all that thing. The first thing I was thinking when I was reading this is, okay, obviously these virtual assistants in India is a thing he's huge on. He talks about it a lot. It's sort of something we sort of do with the support ninjas, but with him, it's more day to day things that are, you know, not talking on the phone and things like that. My thoughts are maybe we should look into hiring one of these people. Bless you, Mike. My thoughts are maybe we should look to hire one of these people literally just for this podcast where I was talking to Mike earlier about it. We get one of these virtual assistants and we're like, listen, here is a list of the books we're going to be reading over the next year. Your goal is to get these people on our podcast and we're going to go over a strategy for you reaching out to them. And, you know, what's cool is we could even get in the habit maybe of 
recording some of them where we know we're really trying to get the guest on and not even releasing those where, I, I don't know, we'd have to talk about this off air, but basically the notion of knowing like, okay, it's going to take a few months to really get a virtual assistant in the, in the groove of like lining them up and then maybe they'll start lining them up. So maybe if we can kind of get some podcasts set aside, I mean, we'll figure it out. But bottom line is we could probably have a virtual assistant working 20 hours a week, which is really what we need for this podcast to just grow it. And we'll have them do a combination of outreach to get guests and like, you know, commenting on other people's YouTube channels, like that stuff that just organically gets users. Yeah. I love that. And what's good is you could probably have them focus on, you know, other things we need that just pop up in general with the business. Yeah, there's no Exactly. Like we can just slowly start to give them all sorts of things. There's no doubt. Like there's not, that many people that listen to this or else I wouldn't be talking about Fiverr because Fiverr is our hidden gem. And I feel like it's something that not that many people know about, but it, no, they've got it. And their user, they have a lot of users. Dude, it's up. Still, you could tell by, you could sort of sense based on the reviews and how many listings are on there. It's not big. Like most people have no idea what Fiverr is. We're a bit also keep in mind, we're a bit biased with what we're in like what we're even focused on right now. It's not like that's like a normal day to day. No, but it will be as more and more people like realize that they need digital marketing or some sort of digital stuff for their company. But right now, if you talk to anyone outside of like our industry, some people know I've talked to a lot of people not going into detail about them, but just to find out if people like know about that company. And the consensus that is that I've got that I've gotten is that no one really knows who they are at all. Good uh, stock, folks. Get in on it now. <laughs> we got in on it. We also FVR. Corey Mike told me that you uh, bought some pen after the barstool deal. I did too. Yeah. I've been on a rocket ship. I know. Since. It's awesome. I got a twenty nine. I think they're at thirty six today. Yeah, I, I mean it's a great, a great partnership. Time. Yeah. Yeah, I'm waiting to jump in that one. I haven't really found. You can a tell Bob yet. loves them. That's another thing we got to talk about. Is we're definitely like. It's in the back of our minds, but we are working on a weekly segment that we'll put into this podcast that gets Bob on for, you know, five to 10 minutes to do like a weekly stock rundown. And we got to, yeah, it's going to be sick because, yeah. We might have to just do it at a different time with him and just, you know, we can do it. He could always always like record like a five minute segment. We can just send him a link and he could just record his thoughts. Well, yeah, the problem is we have to ask him questions or he won't know what gotcha. to say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, guys, in saying that, we have um, an eight-minute warning until the Jeremy interview. That's awesome. Corey, great job getting him on. Should we just get, like, to hype him up now before well, he just gets so you on? know, before the interview, just to let you guys know, we have a different link that – this is the behind the scenes stuff the podcast don't talk about, but we're going to lay it out right now. So he's not just calling into this. We're going to have to log off to what we're using right now and right. sign into the new link. You guys should have gotten two links and that's going to yep. bring up a new podcast. So we're not going to be in here anymore. So what we'll probably want to do is we should just end this with like the segment of what's going to come right before that, where you introduce this guy and then we'll press stop and we'll, you know, take a little five minute break and we'll log back on. We'll do this. So I should introduce Unless you. Corey, you had something you want to say. No, I was, I, I was going to say that literally that exact thing. We Perfect. should take a five minute break. You should, you can either introduce him now or at the beginning of the next podcast. I guess it doesn't matter. 
Yeah, I mean, Mike, why don't you just like right now do a little. Jeremy Jakobowicz has a decade of media experience. <laughs> he first worked in sports television, my kind of guy, and then transitioned from Bobby Flay's assistant on set to producing food television from anyone from Food Network to the Cooking Channel. And now he's in front of the camera. Not only has he appeared as a judge on Food Network's Beat Bobby Flay, he's also hosted for Thrillist, IHOP, and Seamless. His handle on Instagram is brunchboys. Jeremy, supposedly a great guy. I've never met him personally. I hope to be able to break bread with him soon when I'm in New York. And we're honored to have him on. Jeremy, welcome. Ah, hi. Uh, just, I was creeping on your Instagram earlier. What comes to mind when I say lamb brain guacamole? <laughs> That's what I ate today. Was that a first? Uh, no, I've actually, it was my first lamb brain guacamole. I've, I have had lamb brain before though, in another Indian dish actually. What does that taste like? Um, honestly, in the guacamole, you really couldn't taste it. I've had it in um, eggs before. It was like scrambled eggs with lamb brain. And honestly, like you really if no one told you it was brain, because it, it kind of looks kind of stringy, you would just think it's eggs. It's 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 more of like a texture thing than even a uh, taste thing, I guess. It really takes on whatever the dish it's in. Wow. I mean, I saw that and I was like, I've never even heard of this. And now <laughs> I've got to try it. I love Indian food. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the thing we had today was Indian inspired or whatever it is. And I've had it in another Indian restaurant. So that would be the place to find it. That's awesome. And Jeremy, after seeing all the dishes you showcased earlier, I noticed I was doing my homework on you and you're a big, you know, cook at home dinner kind of guy and your staples, salmon and Japanese sweet potatoes. So are you yes. eating that tonight? Uh, I have normal sweet potato tonight, not Japanese, unfortunately. But yes, as soon as we get off, uh, the salmon is going into the oven. <laughs> so oh, man. We'll, we'll make it quick for you then. What's up? I said, we'll make it quick for you then so you can. Uh, oh, no, 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 <laughs> no rush, no rush. I got a lot to do tonight, so it's all good. So, Jeremy, tell us, I mean, starting with brunch, I have to ask you, I'm a huge bruncher myself. What do you have a memorable brunch that stands out since you are brunch boys? I figure <laughs> there must be some memorable experience that this um, all stemmed from. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of think more of like, some of the coolest stuff I've been able to do with Brunch Boys is the travels. And to me, brunch is, is – there's no real one definition of brunch. It's sort of like – I always say this. It's sort of silly. But it's like sort of just an idea. It's just like a mindset of like when you think about brunch, it's just like you know, sitting with the friends and eating food. And normally it's on the weekends. But like lots of restaurants in New York do brunch in the week, and I obviously brunch a lot. Um, so no, there are no real rules. So I think just I think of like overall my food experiences. And I think um, I went to Japan in the spring and sort of just like – every food experience I had there and every level was amazing. Now I ate like egg salad sandos every single day for breakfast, which are incredible to like the amazing omakase. So like if a, you know, an egg salad works for brunch and sure, I did that every day there. It was amazing. So I think like more of those fuller experiences and that kind of travel stuff is what I, I think of first. That's awesome, Jeremy. I'm pumped you were in Japan. Dan and I were actually there a couple summers ago. We were in Asia for a couple months and Man, I'm with you on those egg salad sandwiches. I, Corey and I were just diving into this with Dan earlier, knowing you were coming on, going over how we would never in America think twice about eating at a 7-Eleven. In Japan, oh. they've got some great chicken katsu there, egg salad sandwiches. Oh, everything. It was amazing. We, we ate there for breakfast every single day and then a snack 
like around 4 p.m. every single day. Uh, the convenience stores are on every single corner, five of them, uh, just like the best. I was actually shooting with um, uh, Ivan Raman, who's like amazing, um, from New York, uh, from Long Island, but like uh, opened up a restaurant. It's Raman restaurant originally in Japan. I was phoning with him this week, and I was just sort of asking him, like, what about Japan just can't be replicated here because to me the thing that actually comes to mind first is oh it's like the fish and sushi it's literally just like how amazing the convenience stores are <laughs> man you're so spot on it's fascinating even like seeing all the kit kat flavors like mm-hmm. of course the sushi speaks for itself the you know the meat and the vegetables being cooked in front of you the culture but mm-hmm. the convenience store aspect you're dead on it makes it on another another level of food experience i love it i miss it <laughs> that's awesome man there's also great it was also crazy, this was something I learned when we were in Japan, that the biggest tuna that they got in Japan came from Long Island. Really? <laughs> yeah, we went to that massive yeah. fish market, and we saw these tuna fish that were frozen that, I mean, Mike, they had to be like, what, 12 feet? Yeah, they were massive. Massive. It was crazy. Yeah, that's uh, we were ready to move in there, Jeremy. To the you know how they serve the sushi <laughs> one piece at a time. That's when you know you're at the right spot. Uh, we loved it. I mean, like I spent 17 days there, so we really got to like explore the food scene on every level. Like, like even say like some of the best pizza I've ever had. Like it's 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 really wild. Would that would you say that's been your best culinary experience abroad? Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I've traveled a lot in America. Um, when I worked in TV, also I traveled all over America. Uh, with Brunch Boys internationally, I've done Australia twice, which has been really amazing. Obviously, they have like an insane brunch scene there. Um, and I went to Ireland, uh, and that's been internationally, but a lot of domestic travel. But yeah, so overall, just like nothing compares to Japan. And Jeremy, what in terms of? Oh, I'm sorry, go for it. I was just wondering. So, like, being in. Um you're on the food network and you're a director and working with Bobby Flay. What is it like going from kind of like the corporate worlds or TV world to, to being just like your own boss and just running brunch boys day to day. And how did that, how did that transition go for you? I mean, I, I wouldn't call what I did corporate, uh, you know, like basically in TV, I was freelance gig to gig. Okay. Um, always hired by the production companies to work on the show. So it was never like in-house. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but still like a pretty big, big transition, obviously, like I always say one, like uh, as a producer, like you are coming up with the creative and you're executing the creative, but like the technical aspects of it, you're not doing like, I always say, like, I would come up with what I wanted to happen in the scene. And then everybody else on set made it happen. The, the host, the camera guys, the audio guys, the lighting guys, whatever, they all made it, my vision happen. And then we put it together. Where with Brunch Voice, it's just it's just me. It's me doing everything. I've had to teach myself how to do everything. I know technical skills before Brunch Boys. Um, I just sort of had the mind for it, I guess. But I've had to teach myself how to shoot, edit, do audio, be on camera better, um, all those things. So it's it's it, it, it's hard. I always say like working in TV is really really hard. Your hours suck, and it's a ton of work. And while I control my hours now, which is better, the amount of work is probably even more just because on top of all the producing, I'm also running a business and there's like business things I got to do. Like I'm months behind on receipts and I'm terrified about (laughs) what's going to happen with my taxes this year. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, Jeremy, that's impressive. You're the Turan entrepreneur because you, (laughs) you know, you're the full on craft when you have to really fine tune everything and be a one man band. Have you noticed, have there been certain things you've been able to outsource as of recently? 
No, not really. Um, I have I have like an in-house manager, whatever you want to call her. Just pretty much someone helps me on the money side of stuff. Like when someone comes to me with a branded deal or a branded idea they want to do, it sort of runs through her, which is nice. It's one thing off my plate, um, just the negotiating the contracts and all that other stuff. But in terms of like what you see on Brunch Boys, it's just me. I mean, when you have bigger projects, maybe I'll bring on someone to help me shoot sometimes. But, you know, for the most part, like my content is there's no money behind the content that I do with 90% of it is just restaurants I'm going to on my own. So it's hard to justify putting money behind that. I was trying to put money behind something where like either I'm making money or I know it can make me more money. Um, and it's just, it's, it's, it's tough. I'd rather lose a little bit of sleep than sort of spend the money sometimes. For sure. So wait, you'll go through and go to all these restaurants and, do your own thing for free mm. and then you'll randomly get contacted by restaurants that go through your agent assistant person that want you to come and do the same thing is that how no, so basically like the split in the content is like branded stuff and then restaurants are totally separate so most of the content is just restaurants and that is it's very rarely me just showing up they're all pretty much shoots i set up so they email me i handle all that stuff they're like hey it's either their pr or social or the chef or whoever it is reached out to me and they're like, hey, you know, we got a cool dish or whatever their thing is. And I just pick what I want to go film and I go film and I put it together. The branded stuff is all bigger companies um, from everywhere. From from like the Japan trip was a fully sponsored trip with Upon Airways. It was all a travel thing. So from travel to alcohol to bigger restaurant groups and brands and, you know, fast food stuff to clothing. I, anybody, like I always say, the first the first ad, I don't like calling them ads or sponsored content whatever the first ad i ever did on brunch boys um was with bumble when they launched bumble bff and it was like hey come you know go on bumble bff and find guys to go brunch with so like across the spectrum i work at the brand side of the money side so that goes through the person who helps me but all the restaurant stuff is organic kind of like they're still pitching me and i'm still going in there in there whatever but it, it, it's not paid for so let me ask you this wow. uh, i watched wow. one of your uh, branded content videos for cyber hummus uh-huh. And you're dipping the pizza in the hummus. Honestly, it looked, yeah. it looked good. But I was just wondering, were you like extra dipping for Sabra? Or was that, you know, like was there's extra a lot dipping of for Sabra? <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, to me, like uh, someone said it to me the other day. They said, like, why did you rip into a dish? And and you know what? I, I am sort of like cognizant of like the weird food porn stuff on social media which i dip my toe into but i always say like in my bio it says not food porn because to me like if you're coming from a page just for food porn you're not going to get it so don't follow me but obviously there's aspects of food porn and what i do and there's this dish i shot up in boston and it was a scallion pancake breakfast sandwich it was stuffed with like mozzarella pesto and an, and an uzi egg yeah. and i said to them i was like you know it, there are two reasons why i sort of ripped into it one, I think when I was eating it, I was just ripping into it. So for the beauties, it's sort of nice to give that thing of like, that's how you eat it. But I said, two, this is a dish where all the good stuff is hiding inside of it. And I have literally half a second to grab people's attention. So what's going to grab someone's attention? Is it going to be me like, you know, putting in a tiny, tiny bit of hummus on a pizza? Or is it going to be jamming that fucking thing into the hummus bowl? Like yeah. if it grabs your attention for half a second, great. I, you know, there's a fine line between all of it. I don't want it, you know, I wasn't going to have it be bursting rainbows out of it or whatever. But I think like, yeah, all right. Like if you're a big eater, you put a lot of hummus on a pizza. That's fine. Like th th there's a balance to it. But yeah, it's it's visual. It's catching people's attention. It's people scroll so quickly. Anything to just 
grab them and stop. I mean, I need views. And all you got to do is watch a video for four seconds to get views. So all I need to do is stop them for four seconds. And that's even harder than you would think. Yeah, well, to your credit, that definitely grabbed my attention. And I I ended up watching (laughs) the whole thing. I was like, wow. See, well, that's the goal. The goal is four seconds. Hopefully they stick around because I work really hard in these videos. So, Jeremy, tell us how many restaurants inundate you with requests to stop in, whether it's brunch-related, non-brunch-related. You're in New York, the mecca of the world with food, yeah. the melting pot. What's that like on a day-to-day? I probably get uh, like almost a dozen emails a day inviting me to go to restaurants, and I only film at maybe three a week. So there is a gigantic list of places that I – I'm probably never even going to get to, but it's just sort of like, it's, it's that way. Like even right now, I, I just posted a video five minutes before I came on with you guys. It's a video I shot in LA in December. I've just been backed up on content and the time it took to turn that video around to sort of place it to where, where I wanted to place it. Like that's how far ahead I'm sometimes with shooting. So it's, it's impossible for me to get to every single restaurant that invites me in. I probably don't want to go to every restaurant that invites me in anyway. So that's fine. But I certainly like have the pick of the, pick of the litter when I'm picking um but places to feature. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I got a question for you. He just asked how many restaurants and places hit you up a day. I want to know how many DMs you get a guy from like girls <laughs> in New York City that are fans. Uh, yeah, I got a lot of DMs. I get more DMs. Uh, those DMs like, you know, here and there. I get more DMs when I go to my friends. My friends did a podcast, Girls Gotta Eat, um, which is uh, sort of like sex and dating advice, mostly female geared i was one of their guests on that show they've like blown up they get millions of listens to they do live shows all over the country when i go to the live shows i'll never get more dms in my entire life (laughs) that was amazing (laughs) you love it i could tell you're fun oh the shows are fun literally their shows are they probably have two thousand drunk girls and one brunch boy. <laughs> wow, Jeremy, if you need any help, let me know, man. Yeah. I'll be in New York in a couple of weeks. I mean, that's a great ratio. So, Jeremy, I actually started wow. – um, I, I started following you a long time ago because uh, we've never talked about this or barely talked in general. But my, I have three buddies who went to Israel and were on your birthright trip. And uh, oh. they were the ones – there's Jeff Dorman, uh, Josh mm-hmm. Rosenfeld, and J.P. J. Zenman. <laughs> Of and, course. Um, yeah, so they they kind of told me about you guys about you after they got back or once you started Brunch Boys. They're like, yeah, that's my buddy. So I've been following you for quite some time, and um, yeah, it's just funny. It's a small world. Yeah, that was even before. I'm trying to think if I even had it. I don't even know if if I really had. I might have started it almost like a month or two after we got back because that was already like seven years ago, something well, crazy, six, seven should, years ago. Wow. So uh, being in the forefront of kind of Instagram and food stars, like, does it make you mad that there's all these, you know, new Instagram food account, like every single person is trying to have a food account. Does that mm-hmm. upset you by any means? No, it doesn't upset me. Um, I think one, it just sort of like makes me always try and think, continue to think of ways to make my content different, which is why like I'm, deep deep into igtv i love it as a platform um and i think that separates me where okay everyone else could go take some photo yeah i probably think my photos are better but if there's 10 billion people taking photos of dishes all right let me be that one account that's really igtv focused so i think it pushes me that way the one thing i don't i don't like about all the new food accounts is like i think what they do i think what most people do whenever they're gonna start a food account 
post like one photo and then they like go through and follow a bunch of food accounts. So like I'll probably be one of the first ones they follow. After a week, they kind of just give up on their account because they, you know, go do something else. So now I have like all these food accounts that like aren't being used following me. And like at this point where I'm at, I need I like having engaged followers rather right. than just a numbers game of how many followers. So like it's sort of like I see the followers that come in and like I see it. I'm like, oh, my God, they're going to give up on this account in a week. And now they're following <laughs> me. This is very annoying. <laughs> Wow. So that, yeah, it's, I guess yeah. it's tough. And that's what's so remarkable with you too, Jeremy, is how you've been able to remain consistent at the level you have. And with how long you've been in the game, man, do you see anything up ahead that no one's seen coming in this whole universe when it comes to Instagram, TikTok? It seems everywhere you look now, a new social platform is trying to yeah. gain attention. Um, I mean, I think specifically with TikTok, I think what's cool about that, I've been having fun producing for it just because I think it's a different audience and a different expectation. So I've been doing all original content for TikTok where my YouTube, Facebook, Instagram content is pretty much the same, just little minor changes here or there. Um, I think exciting about TikTok is that we're just scratching the surface of what the platform is. I think people, until they dig into it, they have this assumption that it's like a dancing app, but like I see that it's not a dancing app. So I see now a new place where, okay, if everyone, again, go back to how to be different, I see this new platform where I could do my own thing there and sort of tell food stories in a much faster way and a much more relaxed way and a much more raw way. I think that all specifically works in TikTok. But we're at like the first iota of people creating content for there. So once people really get onto the platform and dig a little deeper, they're going to start looking for more things. And okay, here's Brunch Boys. Okay, again, it's like, Oh, it is cool food stuff, but he's telling the story behind it. Like the food accounts I've seen blow up on TikTok right now are straight food porn. Um, and again, I don't want to grow that way. That's not the content I necessarily want to deliver. So I've been like doing just sort of the brunch boys thing. Success. It's 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 bubbled. I see the videos that pop off, and the videos that really pop off for me are more my style, which I'm excited about. It's a it's obviously like all over the place, and algorithm is another new beast to figure out and grow. Um, but I think that's really exciting where like, there's going to be that second generation of real creators on there that I'm seeing that are going to pop off. And you're, people aren't going to think of it as the dancing app. They're going to think of it just another really creative platform with really fast videos. It's awesome how you think, man, because it's cool how you have such conviction with, and I'd love if you have any advice for our listeners as you know, somebody trying to start their own business where you've constantly created your own path. Mm -hmm. and your own world for that matter, and you see worlds that don't exist yet, what's the best piece of advice you can give somebody that's just trying to put themselves out there? Yeah, I mean, I think that's just it. Like going back to sort of like the the, the food example of like food Instagram accounts, like uh, they all DM me also. They all DM me and they're like, hey, how do I get this? How do I get that? How do I get that? And one of my first questions is always just like, why? Why did you start a food account? You know what I mean? And most of their answers are like, I don't know. I wanted free food. I'm like, well, you're not going to succeed. Like right away, you're not. Or like, I want to make money or I want to do this. I want to do this. I'm like, that's Brunch Boys started six years ago because I just wanted to make some videos. There's no influencers. There's no, no one got free food. No one got paid. No one got any of that stuff. It was just a creative outlet. And I think that's the, where I've tried to kept the idea of it always. Just like, let it be my creative outlet. And I'll listen, it's been my full-time job for four and a half years. So it's, it, it's, it's evolved somewhat from there. But I think that's the approach of it. The approach should always be, if you're going to start something, a, a business or more specifically like an online thing, it's like, what's your voice? What are you good at? 
What do you have to say? How are you going to get the message across? And how are you going to be different? Because if you're the 10 millionth person doing something, are you really going to be doing it better than all those other people? Like, really think about that for a second. Like, even when I started Brunch Boys, the reason why I picked brunch was, yeah, I love brunch and all my friends love brunch. But I picked it for a few reasons. One, um, I knew I wanted something to be different. So I looked at these videos I was going to do. And it's like, okay. I'm not going to be able to produce the greatest videos. I'm not going to be able to be the best host of these videos. I'm not going to be able to do this. Why would anybody watch these videos? I'm like, well, if it's about brunch, I would be the only brunch one. So at least like I have that going for me. And do I pick brunch because I knew that in traditional media, nobody wanted to do anything at brunch. This is sort of going back, you know, six years where there weren't all these digital places creating food content, if, if any. Um, so it was like Boot Network and Cook Channel and FYI and Travel Channel, blah, 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 blah. And every time I pitched a brunch segment for a show, I would be told, mm, our audience doesn't like brunch. That's very, it's too New York or LA. We don't want to do that. So I was like, okay, well, if this is just going to be my fun passion project on the side, I'm just going to produce for me and my friends. And me and my friends love brunch. Um, so there was that space of, okay, I'm a food TV producer. I kind of know how to do that, know how to tell these stories. I'm going to pick brunch because no one else is doing it. And I could be the only one. And then let me see what happens. So I think like all those things led to the success. I mean, you know, a lot of other things too, but I think that was a lot of it. It was just like, I honed in on what I was good at, what I had a voice about and how I could be different. I think that should be, you know, everyone should sort of look into that. It's incredible. You had that awareness going in. Cause I think that's the toughest challenge with people is really getting down to that underlying theme of what makes you tick in the morning. Mm-hmm. And you knew that right off the bat. That's cool. And did you at the beginning have any like you know <laughs> trolls or haters, people who you know would leave comments and just kind of not be friendly? Uh, not at the beginning. I mean, I've had that over time. I guess um, they're like different levels of trolls. Like I've had people like really go after me hard. Instagram has really enabled a lot of tools now where you can nip that in the butt in half a second. You couldn't always do that. Um, so they've made it much easier to sort of control that. And I get it here and there. And like, I I don't know. I, I judge on how I feel. I judge it by the account too. Like they're always private, but you could also tell what account is an actual troll account and what person just kind of thinks they're funny. Um, if they just think they're funny, um, I try and give them a real response. It depends on like how hot I am that morning when I wake up and see the comments. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, and then sometimes I blow them up on stories too. If you want to say it, then I'm going to put that shit on stories and make you look even dumber than you are. So That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so you feed the trolls. Yeah, I mean, it gets to a point. Like, if they really want to go out, it depends on what they're going after me, too. I think, like, whatever, put a lot out there. If you want to make fun of me, man, I don't know, make fun of me. I've had, I did have a troll that was, like, very anti-Semitic, and I was just like, you know what, dude? Like, I don't want to see this. I don't want to see this anymore. And I tried reasoning with them, and he wouldn't, so I just, just blocked him, whatever. When they go after other people, like when they go after, if I have a friend in a video, they say something like that. Then I just like delete the comment, move on. I'm a big boy. I can take it. But, you know, you don't have to go after someone else. Yeah. Yeah. So, Jeremy, we. The reason we asked. Yeah, go ahead, Dan. Well, no, I was going to say. So, I don't know if you know, aside from this podcast, we do a food delivery app. And we're in, we're based out of Boulder, Colorado. We're in several college towns. And. Mike actually goes around Boulder and does restaurant reviews and we put the restaurant reviews on our Instagram handles and whatnot. Mm. And there's definitely a couple of trolls 
that really get after him hard. Oh. And they say things that are, you know, just directly at him <laughs> more so than anything else. And we've been just kind of, <laughs> yeah, we've been going back and forth trying to figure out, like, do we blast him out? Do we kind of just yeah, it's, do their it's, thing? It's like, funny because, like, at the end of the day, good or bad engagement is engagement. So, like, if you want to comment on every single post and be negative, it kind of only helps me. Um, you know, there, there becomes a point where it's just like, it's, it's too annoying or whatever, but yeah, man, if I could get into like a fight with the troll and then I get 20 extra comments on a post, great. Yeah. That's, that's only this, helping me. This guy said he saw me sleep under a bridge. So, you know, I, I, I don't know. One dude said I need to have a talk with a comb, you know, we've seen it all. So I, so I have a question back on like the business side mm-hmm. of things and if, if you don't want to answer, it's totally fine. I'm just wondering when these places contact you and, you know, it, it comes down to negotiating deals, uh, how does it kind of pan out? Is it based on how many how many followers you have? Like how are you going about negotiating what you're charging? Yeah, I mean obviously there's like nothing set in stone at all pricing-wise. And honestly, the prices that I give depend on who's asking, what do they want, and – who's asking what do they want and yeah pretty much because like you know if you are a smaller company and i know you have a smaller budget but maybe i really want to work with you great let's find a way to make it happen if you are a gigantic company even if i really want to work with you you probably have to pay me more so it, it comes down to that it comes down to ask there's so many things that go into what the price is i mean there's generally i have an idea i mean i've been doing this now full time for four and a half years so i, I have a better understanding of what to do and yeah it comes down to it comes down to what I know the the value is of that post, how much work it's going to be, who's asking, how many followers I have, what your engagement rate is like, what your what your voice is. I think like that's becoming even more powerful now. Is like, okay, great, you could get X amount of likes, but are you actually influencing people to do stuff? And I think those are two completely separate things. A lot of times, um, that's obviously a lot of the homework the brands has to do. I could say that, I could pitch that out, but they sort of have to see it and believe it for them to reach out to me, but they do reach out to me. So I, you know, I'm sure that's their understanding. Yeah. So speaking about those larger brands that reach out to you, I saw what you did with hotels.com and Mm -hmm. I thought that was awesome. Can you kind of delve into that a little bit? Just, I, you know, your stay there, how they set it up and you know, kind of what you did there. Yeah. That was honestly one of the better partnerships I've ever done. They like just got it. And I loved it. So yeah, they set up a, it's for like National Breaker Resolutions Day or something like that. But pretty much they uh, took over a hotel room in New York City at their final hotel. They turned it into carb heaven. Every single inch of the room was decorated with real bread carbs or fake bread carbs, you know, bread pillows and pastries and danishes, whatever. The, like every single inch. It was so well thought out from every last detail that I was just so blown away. Like it was one of the like just perfect partnerships of like, okay you great deal like great brand to work with good money cool with my creative for what i was envisioning which is more like a vloggy hotel tour and then they just like took care of in the creative end like and even when i got there what do you need do you need anything okay and then they like your it's your room for an hour and a half do whatever you want literally do whatever you want we don't care we'll be in the room next door if you need anything just left me alone to do my thing which (laughs) is amazing um and then and and yeah, it just it, it it just made my life so easy. Even the notes back were like, I don't even know if there were any notes. They're like, yeah, or you know, 
she forgot the hashtag, whatever it was. Um, it was just really, really great partnership. And they just, they just understood that like you're paying me not really, not only for my following, you're paying me for the way that I'm able to speak to my followers. So if you just let me take your messaging and put it into my voice, that's going to be the most effective way. And I think they totally got it. So that's a great example of just like one that killed it. Absolutely. And then uh, one more question for you on my end. So as Dan said, we run a food delivery company. So I think I might know the answer to this because I do follow you religiously. Mm -hmm. What is your favorite food to get delivered? Sushi. Okay, so yeah. (laughs) There we go. Uh, Every every Friday night, pretty much, I order in sushi. (laughs) What's your go-to rolls, Jeremy? So I order from this place, Kanahashi. Um, I have... I I like I, I call it like um, I don't want to call it shitty sushi, which is where my brain sort of goes. But it's like it's deliver it's New York delivery sushi. It's a totally different beast than like an amazing omakase. It's not the expectation here. Um, I order same thing every single week. I go spicy crunchy su- uh, tuna, spicy crunchy salmon, peanut avocado roll. Whoa! I'm blown right there, right? Um, big time, big time. I'm I'm shocked. It's it's amazing. Oh, it's just like if you think about it. It's something where it hits like all your senses. It's like crunchy and soft and sweet and salty and fatty. It just like it, it, that combination is really, really amazing. Um, people make fun of me all the time for it, but I love it. Um, and then, yeah, I'll usually like throw in, I don't know, some shumai or something um, to, to round it out. Uh, but yes, wow. pretty much every single Friday night, you can see me post the same exact photo on stories every single Friday night because I ordered the same exact thing. And I, 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 I really eat pretty healthy throughout the week. I cook everything myself. Um, so I like look forward to my like over order of sushi every Friday. Oh, yeah. Yeah, same That's here. awesome. I, I mean, you clearly are a big salmon fan. That seems to be a, a big staple of yours. Salmon every single night. I love it, man. That, it's wow. good for you. Those omega three fatty acids. <laughs> I mean, there we go. And Jeremy, on that note, what would be your last meal on earth if calories went out the window, mm. death row type of status here? I would want to do see. I think I got to do an, like an amazing omakase. I do love a okay. good cheeseburger, like, uh, but I think like just go out with a giant thing. Like we did one, we did an omakase. We were in Kyoto. We splurged on like a few meals. I mean, you could really like eat pretty cheaply in Japan. So we picked a few meals, just like go, go for it. Um, and we did an omakase in Kyoto. That was just incredible. Like all these just really unique pieces of fish that I've never had before. And something on that level would be insane. Sounds incredible, man. Well, Jeremy, we really appreciate the time. Hopefully we can break bread one of these days when we're all in New York. Yeah. I got one last question. How do you, how do you get verified on Instagram? Okay. How do you get that? So I got verified before they let you do it through the app. Um, There was like some weird panel you had to get your information in front of. And pretty much what they're looking to do is they want to make sure that you are distinguishable to other people who could be trying to beat you or copy you. Um, so something brunch boys is so easy. Uh, to, you could be brunch boys one, brunch boys two, to make sure that the real one is verified. And basically, what they look at is national press. That's the easiest way to get verified. So if you are in, if you get press, that's press that's national. Um, that's sort of like their judgment for it. Obviously, like they have a lot of things that go into it, but that's the biggest one. Now I will say, basically, what they did is. If you worked on Instagram, you got harassed every single second by people that wanted to get verified. They couldn't take it anymore. 
that's why they, they implemented the thing within the app to get verified that you could go through and you could do it. You could apply once a month and you probably get denied, but you know what? You could try it again the next month. And that is the only way. There's no other way. Do not harass people on Instagram. It is literally the worst thing to ever ask someone. If you run into someone who works on Instagram, never, ever ask them. Can it be verified? Uh, but yeah, just do it within the app. And if you are not getting verified, you need more national press. Sorry. And Jeremy, last last question. Let's Actual see. last question. So are you, do, you, do you live in Brooklyn or Manhattan? Uh, I live in Brooklyn. All right. So what, your favorite pizza place in Brooklyn and your favorite pizza place in Manhattan? The same one. Joe's Pizza. Joe's Pizza. Oh, the best. That's the first mm-hmm. one I ever had, man. Dance to La Bamba as an infant in that place. <laughs> <laughs> well, we really Thanks so much, John, man. Yeah, of course. Of course. Anytime. Have a great night, buddy. All right. Thanks a lot, man. Strapped in the trenches, making moves going all out. Every day handle business. You know that the hustle don't stop. Got my team, let's get it. Reviewing books and talk stocks. Steady keep it moving. So you gon' wanna tune in. Get low down, it's an app. Get local food on demand. Delivery right to your home. Everything in the palm of your hand. Took hard work and dedication. Come through, join the conversation. This is history up in the making. We just wanna be an inspiration. Hey, let's go.